Namaste. Namaste. And welcome all to our continuing series, Savitri is the Message. And as always, it is a great honor to be with our beloved Alakpai. We are today in the Finding of the Soul. It's Canto 5, and it's the... Um, the new, the new canto, the finding of the soul. There is so much here that until we get to the passage that we are looking for, I would like to read some lines uh, to give you a feeling of of how extraordinary this this journey is for Savitri. The first line of the finding of the soul. Sri Aurobindo writes. Onward she passed, seeking the soul's mystic cave. And then she steps into this power of night, this night of God, actually. And then we go down a little bit, and we see here, this is salvation she asked not, nor a heavenly crown. Humility seemed now too proud a state, Herself was nothing. God alone was all. Yet God she knew not, but only knew he was. And then we'll continue on a little bit onto the next page, where this is so, so extraordinary. As might a shadow walk in a shadowy scene, a small knot passing through a mightier knot, a might of person in a bare outline, crossing a fathomless, impersonal night. Silent she moved, empty and absolute. In endless time, her soul reached a wide end. The spaceless vast became her spirit's place. And then we'll go on a little bit further and What does she experience? Well, as if an old remembered dream come true, she recognized in her prophetic mind the imperishable luster of that sky, the tremulous sweetness of that happy air, and covered from mind's view and life's approach, the mystic cavern in the sacred hill and knew the dwelling of her secret soul. As if in some Elysian occult depth, truth's last retreat from thought's profaning touch, as if in a rock temple's solitude hid, God's refuge from an ignorant worshiping world, it lay withdrawn, even from life's inner sense, receding from the entangled heart's desire. A marvelous brooding twilight met the eyes, and a holy stillness held that voiceless space. An awful dimness wrapped the great rock doors, carved in the massive stone of matter's trance. Two golden serpents round the lintel curled, enveloping it with their pure and dreadful strength, looked out with wisdom's deep 
and luminous eyes. An eagle covered it with wide conquering wings, flames of self-lost immobile reverie. Doves crowded the gray musing cornices like sculptured postures of white-bosomed peace. Across the threshold sleep she entered in and found herself amid great figures of gods, conscious in stone and living without breath, watching with fixed regard the soul of man, executive figures of the cosmic self, world symbols of immutable potency. On the walls, covered with significant shapes, looked at her the life scene of man and beast and the high meaning of the life of gods, the power and necessity of these numberless worlds and faces of beings and stretches of world space spoke the succinct and inexhaustible hieratic message of the climbing planes. And there's the first time we see the word message. They spoke the succinct and inexhaustible hieratic message of the climbing planes. I think we should go back and you, <laughs> there's so much that, to, to, to appreciate here. Oh. I think one of the things that used to strike me very much in this um, particular canto is that at first she stepped into a night of God. Yes. All mystic lore tells us that if you are full of the pride of the mind, you cannot enter into the deep spiritual space. And the mother, if you read through, when she speaks about the psychic education, she says the first thing to understand is that the mind cannot understand spiritual things. It's very difficult for the human mind to, you know, because this is the prop through which we move. She says the first thing is that the mind cannot understand spiritual things. Why? Because it's a completely different domain or dimension. And, and especially savagery. <laughs> anyway, see, this is, um, uh, could an ape with all the stretchings of his imagination and his life, patterns, everything, ever understand a human being? Even for a human child, it's difficult because it's a different domain, different dimension yes, altogether. Yes. Second thing that she says, when she says you have to search for the soul, she says you have to find that in you which is independent of the circumstances of your birth, of your education, of all the outer identities. I had a very nice, um, beautiful, um, if I may share, interaction with Auroville's, uh, you know, the chief secretary, she had come. Ah. So she was, um, she said, I'm, because, you know, we were exchanging numbers, she said, I'm sorry, uh, I am not carrying, a, you know, that card. I have not printed it. So I said, no, I am happy because nor have I ever printed a card. <laughs> so it was a moment of, I said, because it's a false identity. These are temporary things needed for a particular purpose. But that's not what we are or who we are. So as long as the mind, we believe in the supremacy of the mind and we believe that mind can know, we are not really ready 
and this is the night of god what he does is he takes away this um, in hindi there is a very nice um, term that we like god who gives fills us sambharta but there is an aspect of god sangharta who takes away all that we cherish all that we hold dear and that is many times a greater grace you know this is there in tagore's poetry it's there in mystic lore it's there in uh, you know drop the story and many other stories that is when he gopi story that when he takes away you know, that uh, story of gopis and um, who are taking a bath and shri krishna steals their clothes as the story goes and he's sitting on the branch of the tree and playing the flute shubhendra ji immortalized this in one of his aphorisms he says um, some will see in it uh, you know one way of looking at it but the mystic knows that this is a profound truth and he says each brings his own mirror into the story so uh, he described this story so beautifully that as long as god plugged my robe of sin i let it go yes but when he plugged my robe of virtue then i resisted and held it so <laughs> other day someone was telling me it's a little conversation in hindi ki yaha jaake matlab sharam nahi rehti sharam is like shame ऐसे हाँ इतने बेशरम बना देते हैं भगवान की शर्म का कोई स्थान नहीं रह जाता शेम वन ऑफ द बॉन्डिज शेम गिल्ट ऑल दिस इज स्ट्रिप्ट ऑफ बिकॉज यू यू ऑल द प्रॉप्स वी होल्ड एज अवर ह्यूमैनिटी डिफाइन अवर सेल्स दिस बींग दैट बींग दिस इको दैट इको इज टेकन अवे दिस इज द नाइट ऑफ गॉड एंड विदाउट दिस नाइट ऑफ गॉड वी आर नॉट रेडी एंड दिस इज द स्टेट विच कंटिन्यूज टू बी revealed to us the light was quenched that helps the laboring world even to believe that i am helping someone helping humanity helping this all goes away because you realize you are um, i am nothing i can do nothing and i know nothing this is how the mother describes in prayers and meditation i have a personal story <clears throat> that i would share with mother and when i first met her <clears throat> She of course talked to me a lot about music. And then she said to me, "Is the music with you now?" I said, "Yes, mother. It's always with me." And mother said, "Not always." And she took it away. She took it away for a number of years to work on other stuff. This is the night of God. Yes. Absolutely. That film we were talking about dr strange when he goes and introduces himself i am dr strange no you are not dr strange you are just strange he says i okay mr strange he says no you are not even mr strange you see this uh, all these false identities stand in the way so the next is the light was quenched that helps the laboring world the power that struggles and stumbles in our lives what is that power mind it struggles stumbles life struggles and stumbles and he gives it to us in the next line yes that, that this inefficient mind gave up its thoughts so long as we think mind is sufficient there is a very nice line by guru nanak who is a, of course again a great mystic so he writes uh, if you want to find the divine he starts by saying sadho man ka man tyago <laughs> abandon this pride of the mind pride of the intellect 
Of course, he is not saying that uh, start doing nonsense, dropping the mind. But he is simply saying that this pride that mind can know, this must go. Mind cannot know. Yes. It has its domain. It can receive knowledge and give it a form. That is the purpose of the mind. It's a form maker. But knowledge doesn't come from the mind. It is only a receiver and transmitter. But unfortunately, when it receives knowledge, it thinks, I am the knower, I know it. That's where the problem starts. If it understands that I am receiving knowledge from elsewhere and I have to just transmit it faithfully through instruments which are perfect, there is no problem. And you received from Ravi that thing about the quantum physicist? Yes. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. He says that the brain does nothing. It's only a receiver. Yes, it's, it's just an instrument. That's why it's so easy to understand it. And that's why I again <coughs> come back to the same thing to read Shurabindo again and again. <laughs> because um, when we read either aloud or um, just by the eyes, purely neurophysiologically, the messages are going into our brain. So something is happening out there in the brain. We are busy whether we understand or not. But whether we understand or not, the capsule of light does its work. And that work is, the mother says, if you read Shurabindo in quietude, even if you don't understand, doesn't matter. It will do its work in you and create new brain cells for the understanding if necessary. I really believe it. She even says, don't try to understand. Don't try to understand. So what it does is it creates. So there is a process that starts in the very brain. So the instrument has to be upgraded. The first instrument that receives the light is the brain. That's why in the process of evolution we see that. So as it begins to receive the light, it starts changing. And if that master organ changes, then all other organs can change much more readily. So that's what is being described. This striving heart, it's unavailing hopes. Oh, this will happen. Life will be so wonderful. Yes, it is wonderful, but mind cannot create it. So, unavailing hopes and wisdom. All knowledge failed and the ideas, forms and wisdom screened in awe. Her lowly head. This is the power of the soul. Small little soul. Chinna. What a power. Vamana. See, this is the story of Vamana. Is uh, Vamana's story, then Hiranyakashipu's story, they are like the, about the soul. So in Hiranyakashipu's story, Narada, this is the, uh, not Narada, Prahlad. He is like the soul. Nothing can slay him. It cannot be cut, cannot be burned. Poison cannot destroy him. That's how he is described. And his life is centered around one single word, which is Hari, Hari, Hari. He respects his father, but he says, but you are not God. Don't behave like one. <laughs> So, father says, no, how dare you speak a word like that? What I say is right. And this child says, I appreciate you, I love you, but you can't be God. And then a whole thing happens and then at the end, the soul is the victorious. Same thing with Vamana. That Vamana is a little dwarf, but he can measure the heaven and the earth and the subconscious. So, this little thing, a being no bigger than the thumb of man... Forgets the bliss, faces the pang and forgets the bliss. This in us is the Godhead, small and marred. Through this, she sends us her wisdom and her powers, pushes to heights and through misery's gulfs. This is the fellow. 
small little angusht matra no larger than the, the thumb, thumb of man, man. so that's hidden why. deep in a region <coughs> of the heart so wisdom screened in all her lowly head <coughs> feeling a truth too great for thought or speech formless ineffable forever the same and innocent and holy ignorance what is that ignorance about this you know when we are approaching the soul it's not an ignorance where we are it's not unconsciousness it's that state where one knows that one knows nothing so it's a because one is in front of that immensity so it is a state of utter humility so he uses the word an innocent and holy ignorance adored like one who worships formless god the unseen light she could not claim nor own in a simple purity of emptiness these are all um, high spiritual experiences or deep spiritual experiences but there is a counterpart of all this in the lower worlds emptiness nothingness all this <laughs> darkness Before ignorance womb yeah. of yeah yes so but here they are in their original sense her mind knelt down before the unknowable so that's what when one kneels this is the gesture these gestures carry a interesting meaning the mother says one of the gestures when we kneel down prostrate before the divine in complete surrender opening ourselves from the head to the toe this one of the gestures flinging oneself in the arms of the divine kneeling down kneeling down is what who kneels down it's completely surrendered i do not know i do not know whatever is your will i'll obey it all was abolished save her naked self and the prostrate yearning of her surrendered heart there was no strength in her no pride of force the lofty burning of desire had sunk ashamed a vanity of separate self so desire is born out of this ignorance of being a separate self so we want to have things and thereby recreate our universal self in ignorance but that's not the way to create it so this vanity of separate self goes and with it the desires the hope of spiritual greatness fled Shubhendra says, first thing, why do you want the yoga? Even mother's conversation, first conversation, volume three, nineteen twenty-nine. First conversation, why do you want the yoga? She says to have experiences, to help humanity, to gain powers. None of this means that you are ready for the path. Non-qualifier is the divine, the rayo, the etre of your existence. Do you want to live for the divine? That's all that is required. I will do this. I will do that. i am an instrument of god i want to be you know a great holy man all this is a non readiness and one of the things he tells us <coughs> the most dangerous thing of all mm. is to Spirit, want spiritual spiritual ego yes worst thing about spiritual ego is <coughs> see unlike other egos like in the mental ego there is a bit of course correction but spiritual ego especially if you are you know um, giving talks so nobody will tell you look you are a fool so you have to remember yourself that you are a fool <laughs> wisdom comes from there yeah it can be you know um, i have seen um, had a very interesting experience when we were just young first time we went to a center in patiala 
and there was a man who had translated Savitri in Punjabi and he used to come and give talks. So it was our, both Kavita and myself, first time we have gone there and he was giving talks. First of all, he was not using the word Shri with Sri Aurobindo and he said, he says, this, this is like what Shankara has said, this, that's so after some time he said, this is what, whatever little I had read, I thought, this is what he is talking. That too, giving a talk on essays on the Gita. Just to demonstrate to what extent this, these things can go. And so one day I just couldn't help it. After two, three talks, I said, excuse me, sir, but I, I don't think this is true that Shurabindu is saying the same thing as Sankracharya. He was very angry. He said, how do you understand? You don't understand. You have to rise to my level to understand. <laughs> I said, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> now, this is a non-starter in a debate. I was a youngster with rational debate. This is a non-starter. How do you debate if somebody assumes a position, sits on a pulpit? So then Kavita said, by the way, sir, please take the name of Shurabindo with Sri. <laughs> that was infuriating. He said, Mother used to take his name with his tree because he was a disciple. But when you reach that level, you don't have to do all this. I said, wow. till now it was only my, myself coming to his level. Now he has put himself to Shrabindo's level. Now what do you speak? Then she said, um, uh, no, no, you know, we have faith in Shrabindo. Shraddha, she used the word. He said, what do you understand by Shraddha? Then he started explaining the Sanskrit meaning of Shraddha. Then I told you, please sit now, let me take over. This is getting too messy. So I told him, left, right, center, all about Shraddha and everything. Uh, quoting from the Gita here, there. He got so annoyed, he left the place, went away, never came. And that day it was so embarrassing for everybody at the center. They, they told, why did you interfere? He comes and takes classes. I said, how can you listen to this nonsense? <laughs> Shobindo's picture was there which was uh, everybody thought he is Rabindranath Tagore and mother's picture is Mother Teresa. How can you listen to this nonsense? You know, it goes on. So spiritually it is so dangerous because nobody will tell you that look here you are making a fool of yourself. So always have this humility <laughs> that well in front of the supreme divine all of us are nothing else but fool. But it is given to us that instead of being F double O L fool, you can become Hindi wala fool and be at his feet. <laughs> That's the great consummation. So here, um, the hope of spiritual greatness fled. Salvation he asked not, nor a heavenly crown. Humility seemed now too proud a state. I am humble. Oh, you are still there. What do you mean, sir? I am humble. I still there? Humility is too proud a state. It is obvious you are standing in front of the ocean a drop. I am humble. <laughs> what are you? Is a drop in front of that immensity. It is understood. You don't even have to say in so many words. Herself was nothing. God alone was all. This is the state to find the soul. Yet God she knew not. But only knew he was. It is this faith that there is God. It is beyond questioning, beyond belief, beyond assumptions, beyond evidence, everything. Yes, he is there. But that's all that she knew. Now comes again the darkness, a sacred darkness brooded now within. Why? Because the, the source of light she is looking for. 
Without that, all is dark. That source of light inside. And the same sense comes here. The world was a deep darkness, great and nude. Without the divine, in that state, that holy ignorance, without the divine, the world appears meaningless. Everything is like a cinema show. It collapses without support. So it was a great darkness. This void held more than all the teeming worlds. This blank felt more than all that time has borne. This state is such, it is pregnant with infinity. It is the seed of the divine. So we can imagine, you know, that all the possibilities, divine possibilities are here. So she is getting a sense of what it contains, holds within itself. This dark, new, dumbly, immensely, the unknown. So if you, were to, you ask somebody in this state that, what is the divine? So what will the person say? I don't know what is the divine, but I know that only he exists. That's it. Immensity. That's it. Yes. He alone exists. This alone. How do you know? Well, I feel it inside. It's the most intuitive sense that one has. But all was formless, voiceless, infinite, as might a shadow walk in a shadowy scene, a small knot passing through a mightier knot, a knight of person in a bare outline, crossing a fathomless, impersonal night. Silent, she moved, empty and absolute. All these props are taken away, all that the mind has built, the sketches, the forms, all that collapses. Then, those wonderful lines which you read there again. How do you know where the soul is? As if an old remembered dream come true, she recognized in a prophetic mind the imperishable luster of that sky. How do we know that we are nearing? There is the sense of that luster. You know, it's a very interesting word. It's not the light has blazed forth. But luster is that morning, that sense that there is you don't see the light, but you know it is there. <laughs> Every day morning if you look at it, and then the tremulous sweetness of that happy air. The soul is the one which gives sweetness. That's why it draws like the honeybees are drawn to the flower, because it is a mystic sweetness welling from the well of God. So one feels, this is the real honey, the amrit, which is there as the it gives that sweetness and warmth. You can actually experience it like a sweetness and warmth and a glow in the heart. Yes. This is how the soul is. And covered from mind's view and life's approach, the mystic cavern in the sacred hill. Now the sacred hill, hill mountains are always the body. But here it's that aspiration in the body, which is pointing like a hill. In the mystic cavern, in the sacred hill, and knew the dwelling of a secret soul. As if in some Elysian occult depths. So these were, of course, the mystic, um, what shall I say, cults, Elysian mysteries. They were there in ancient Atlantis. So these Greeks, we hear about them. So they were secret cults, like our Vedic cults. So people didn't know what's happening in those cults. Like the Druids in Irish. So they were secret cults. 
But that's why they had priestesses. Yes. And the priestesses could give them the information that they couldn't get from their mind. Yes, that's right. So it is as if in some Elysian occult depths, truths, now these are remarkable lines. Truths, last retreat from thoughts, profaning touch. What does thought do? Holds a glimpse, says, ah, this is a good material for me to write a nice book. It writes a very scholarly articles on God. At one place in Synthesis of Yoga, Shubhinda reminds that while intellectual understanding can be a good preparation for a powerful yoga, because you know, mind is an instrument you need to develop. But at the same time, he says that one should not mistake the mind for spiritual things. At the end, you may realize that you have read everything that is written about God. And you yet do not know the eternal. You may have read everything and yet do not know the eternal. Why? Because it comes through seeking. It doesn't come through reading. Reading can be a preparation. It's all right to have all this uh, stuff if the mind can contain and doesn't get confused. But the experience comes when there is a seeking. So truth's last retreat from thoughts profaning touch. As if in a rock temple's solitude hit God's refuge from an ignorant worshipping world. Interesting, Why? worshipping world. Yes. Yeah. Why? Because, now, again, many times, Shurabindu uses a word in many different senses, just like the root languages. At another place, he would use the word worship in a very different way. Mm-hmm. For worship lifts the worshipper yes. and makes him one with the worship. This is in Book 1, Canto yes, 3, yes. Glory and Fall of Life. But here, so one has to feel for the word. What is that God is wanting to running, run away from a <laughs> worshipping world? Because the world worships for give me this, give me that. And Shubhinda says that in number of his letters. I want this, I want that. So it worships. But its worship is not to become one with the adorer uh, and the adored. It's, that's not the idea. This worship is for my pound of flesh that I can extract the so God runs away. <laughs> Now that story of Shiva, I often recount that Shiva goes to, there is a devotee who cries for Shiva. Shiva is busy in his trance and Goddess Parvati, full of love, nudges him. See, somebody is calling. Ah, it's okay. No, no, please, you should, you can't do this. There is a devotee out there sitting in the hut and calling you, you don't go. Shiva smiles and says, I know you are full of compassion and love, but let's leave it. Let me be in trance. No, no, you can't do that. Shiva has to listen. Shiva goes. (laughs) So this man is very happy that, you know, there is a mystic who has come. He says, what can you do? Uh, What do you need? So the man says, see, I am living in such poverty. So Shiva says, okay. Puts a little finger, looks at a pot and the pot turns into gold. So Shiva starts to turn back and the man says, sir, just wait, sir, just hold on for a moment. Yes, sir, this cot and the pot doesn't go together. Okay, cot also becomes a cot of gold. Sir, this hut, so hut changes into gold. Shiva now starts going, Are you, is everything okay? So, says, so the man says, sir, everything is okay. You can continue with your journey, but can you leave your finger out here? This is the worshipping world. It does not love God or worships Him for the sake of God. 
but for one's own self. That's why he doesn't find or misses God. So, uh, it lay withdrawn even from life's inner sense. Even there are faculties uh, which are hidden in the subliminal being. Even from them, you cannot catch God by that. Receding from the entangled heart's desire. As long as the surface soul is active, the soul of desire, you cannot find God. So the surface soul of desire has to become quiet, quenched through life experiences, through conscious aspiration. It's a process. And he says here the heart's desire. Yes. And very often the heart is misleading. Yes. Why heart's desire? Because right in front is this desired soul, as he describes in synthesis. Right behind is the true soul. So, that love which wells the surface emotion, the surface love, which is very different from the deeper love, which the true heart experiences. A marvelous brooding twilight met the eyes. What is that twilight zone? It's like, I know it and I know it not. I feel it, but I feel it not. So that state through which she knows, she passes. And a holy stillness held that voiceless space. And then come some very significant images. An awful dimness wrapped the great rock door. So again, rocks, uh, hills, they are all in matter. There is a door here. We don't know. So these are the doors on which the mystics ask us to concentrate. So the key is with concentration. And the doors are through one of these centers. So where are these rocks? In the rocks, there is a little door which he has created. And one has to find that door. So first thing is for that door one has to turn within and that key works only when there is concentration of the entire being on that. Otherwise it doesn't work. That the other part, you know. So all the seven or the nine gates through which, you know, our consciousness is flowing out has to be gathered within. That's what Sri Krishna says in the Gita that as a turtle gathers its limbs. So one pratyahar, so one has to do that and then concentrate. Otherwise one may sit but nothing much happens. The mother says, roll your (coughs) sleeves and Mm. then take a plunge into the heart and there is a fire burning there. Even in the West, they have this, here is the little door through which one can enter. So this is the door, there are doors, seven doors apparently. The mother has recommended uh, Mother and Shurabindo, the heart, the head and the crown, beyond the crown. Uh, The head has a problem because uh, it can create forms and uh, formulations of the truth. And then one can get locked into certain sectarian or cultish experiences. So, in the heart center, which is the most natural place, that's where he is hidden. While men seek him all around in all the temples, mosques and churches and God knows where. (laughs) Even when we build a sacred space, that's what I keep saying like for instance we have the ashram here there is ashram is special it's non-replicable because it's Shubindu Staposthili but even where you have the relic center and nice center they are not temples they are spaces meant to facilitate this going within process if you treat it like a temple that you went there morning you ritualistically did something and came out you can do it every day but the real thing is that, and that is required to create that space. The space is so important. It's a, um, you know, a special space. 
So there are people who are meant to create that special space. Their work, there is their life, their offering. Center has to be kept like that. Uh, Nalnida says a center uh, is the hearth of a perfect sincerity. Yes. And then in that space, when we sit and concentrate, it should facilitate. But God is found here. <laughs> That's where He's always present. So carved in the massive stone of matter strands, two golden serpents round the lintel curl. They are beautiful serpents. One can never feel um, anything hostile about them. They are evolutionary powers. Serpents always represent evolutionary power except for uh, maybe 10% when we see very black serpents. They are like mambas and all. If you see in dream, crates, they are hostile forces. But otherwise, white serpents, even hooded snakes, cobras, king cobras, they are evolutionary energy, iridescent serpent in Adam and Eve's story. Then Shiva's serpent, you see? Mm-hmm. Shiva has put him around. It's the evolutionary power that he holds within himself. Or the Sheshnag on which Lord Vishnu is sleeping, that is also a serpent. Or the one which... Lord Ganesha ties around his. So all these are evolutionary energies. It's always that's why serpents are very swift. And in a certain sense, unpredictable. See, that's something about a serpent. You just don't know. Within moments, it just takes a leap. So it represents an evolutionary energy. So golden serpents, that power through which you can glimpse the ultimate truth. That is the soul, that window. So there they are guarding. Enveloping it, enveloping it with their pure and dreadful strength. Looked out with wisdom's deep and luminous eyes. You can't go inside with all the desires and this, that. Why do you want to go inside? Are we want to, you know, I want to ask something material, I want absolute power. Serpent will say, You, you first go past me, then we will see the rest. So, to the one who is afraid and full of desires, they appear in their dreadful strength. To the one who is humble, full of faith and devotion, they give way very easily. So that's what they represent. Yes. What else is there? An eagle covered it with white conquering wings. So eagle is, of course, the bird of Lord Vishnu. It is power and wisdom together. So eagle is a bird which can see globally. See how the eagle actually dives into the... It sees front, it sees below, it sees above. It has a perfect trajectory. So eagle has that capacity. And it is the sign of an illumined mind and a divinized vital. So when the vital is pure enough and the mind is full of the flashes of light, that's what one finds there. So if one reaches this far, all these things begin to awaken in the human being. They give their powers. What else is there? Flames of self-lost, immobile, reverie. Doves crowded the grey, musing cornices. So doves are symbols of peace. Peace. So peace, power, knowledge, evolutionary urge for progress. Everything one finds there. I mean, if you have to put it in human language, that's what it means. They automatically awaken. If you go near the soul, the urge for progress comes. A person who is coming near the soul will never say, Oh, this life... But the moment you fall, then, you know, despair and all this starts. But you go closer to the soul, you always have that impression that there is so much more, so much more. And one wants till the last breath to do it. 
So these are the experiences. Gray, grays. Uh, mother was asked about uh, the buildings. Each of these colors carry a sense. So she was asked about why ashram buildings are generally gray and white. Now it's no more the original color <laughs> that part. But she said this combination brings peace. And it's a gray blue. Gray blue, that's right. This combination brings peace. So you have that description of that peace. So they are not descriptions, they are real things. But one may just experience it subjectively. It's not like everybody will suddenly, one is waiting mm. to see the serpent. That's not how it operates. <laughs> Where is the serpent? Where is Seek the soul. <laughs> Where is the eagle? It's not like uh, that way. But they are the powers, The if one goes through the subjective door, which most people go through, you will have these things automatically awake, awakening inside. Or these beings can take other forms. Across the threshold sleeps he entered in. We touch the soul every day, but we don't know why. Because when we enter, we are given Charanamrit. <laughs> so, what does that Charanamrit contains? You take it and you will forget all other things. Bekhudi ki chashni. There is a, you know, one line in Hindi. I'll, there is a mystic poet who writes like this. He is referring to God. He says, Mujhe bekhudi ki tune bhali chashni chatai. Chasni is, you know, when you make sugar, heat it till it becomes concentrated. He says, what did you give me? I have become completely oblivious of myself. Bekhudi. I have forgotten who I was. That reminds me also of a story. Somebody went to Tagore and wanted his signature. Tagore was a mystic in his own right. So his secretary, Raja Subodh Malik, before the person wanted Tagore's signature, he said, why don't you also write something? He was also a great fellow. So Subodh Malik wrote there, know thyself. He was so happy. So he took it to Tagore, Subodh Malik. He wants your signature. Tagore saw know thyself written there. He smiled and wrote below, forget thyself. <laughs> forget thyself. This is the problem. No, This little self is the cause of misery. To think about itself is to be miserable. That, that's the solution. So, she says, across the threshold sleep she entered in and found herself amid great figures of God. That's when we discover we are a God who who has worn a human cloak. That's how the mother describes. She says, man is himself a God, but he has forgotten. He had to learn that lesson of humility. He comes from over mind. And Shurabindo, in, in, in the Vedas, he says, Vedas describe that man comes from Swarlok, which is, of course, just heavens of the ideal, where if one has to see the description in Savitri. He comes from very high. That's his true domicile. But he had to go through all this Dobi Pashad, you know, he had to go through this cleansing process because otherwise he anyways feels that he is bigger than even God. So he has to learn the lesson of humility. And then she discovers herself in the company of gods. One of the things that awakens with the finding of the soul or even as we draw near, automatically this sense of worship of the gods, the way we do it, drops away. So what do we start feeling spontaneously? Oh my brother Ganesh, oh my friend, 
you start feeling how cute you are but see what people are doing this bhutnach outside your you know after ganpati bappa what are they doing i pity you and you'll get a communication even with these secret rivers or mountains you develop the sense of being their companion because they are also working for the evolutionary labor in creation and you are part of that so that's how one changes the relation i wanted to talk a little bit about this threshold sleep yes because you know the threshold <clears throat> is the entry to a house without actually going into the house Hmm. You know this in Tamil houses we see it all the time. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a place where they don't want you to go into the house so they meet you at that threshold. Now, this threshold as she enters into that sleep, she crosses it across the threshold sleep hmm. she entered in. And found herself amid and great fears yes. of God. Yes. at one time this since you mentioned about houses this is how indian houses were i have grown up in one so you had the threshold where you had that little you know outside you are having everything the moment you enter first thing you will encounter all these <laughs> pictures of deities mm. and because this is how one grew up so the images of gods first thing you encounter now it's different now you have a nice painting hung there or some other something was but this is how it's a, it was a way of life mm-hmm. where a deep truth which we had forgotten was yet reproduced in the uh, of course tamil houses are one step further before you enter you have the nice columns this is something yes. very unique yes yes i must say it's so beautiful i have seen ladies stricken with poverty and with very little means we so happily they make it it's an amazing thing to feel the joy just look at their joy is so wonderful and they'll make it so happily they that you know that kolam rangoli now we hardly do it anyway but here people still do it it's one of the things which will strike you it's like your welcome as a god's royal entry see instead of now we have those outside we have red carpets but look here this is so beautiful a floral design yes after seeing it even if you have all kinds of intentions it will absorb because it's so beautiful so that's the threshold and then of course on the walls covered with significant shapes looked at her the life scene of man and beast and the high meaning of the life of gods see this is how the ancient temples were carved they were meant to be symbols konark temple if you go you will see every possible scene of human life displayed there the richness of these temples they are so amazing every scene of human life you will find it there you will see the beast you will see human closer to animal you will see a evolved human being you will see siddhas you will see the image and it's so wonderful even the temples here in pondicherry in um, in tamil nadu in general you see those temples with a rich in detail which is mm. something so amazing that yes all this is part of that one plan seated within it the one but all these are aspects of the cosmic uh, divine the power and necessity of these numberless worlds and phases of beings and stretches of world space this was the way indian temples were built especially in the south and shobindo appreciates it so much he says they are rich in detail so when you enter you have these different different gods <laughs> at the end you have the deity 
where you finally meet the deity. But these are the powers and aspects. Why not? All the uh, management, the round table mm. conference, the governing, uh, they are not barren that you go there and just sit and meditate. This was the way it was meant to be at one point. And faces of beings and stretches of world space spoke the succinct and inexhaustible hieratic message of the climbing planes. So one could, as one went through, one was receiving messages, clear messages, succinct, inexhaustible. It was not the same thing which go through till you reach the final deity. These messages I remember at different times. We had a temple where you had to go through Hanuman. And you know, several times I had different, different feel about him. One was it was a very small space. So I felt how, how could you be in such a small space? Now I understand what it means. If you really want to be as Hanuman in your bhakti and service, you have to be very vast. Mahavir Vikram Bajrangi, Atulit Bal Dhamma. A small consciousness cannot have Atulit Bal. It is too small. That's why he can become vast. He can become very small. So you receive that as you go through, there is a communication that takes place. Heretic messages. Prophetic messages, messages that reveal to us some profound mystery. Messages that are like initiatory rituals. You stand before Hanuman and it is, give me the bhakti with which you have served the Lord. How happy he would be, rather than going and throwing some money and telling him that, you know, my son has to get uh, past his degree and this is Tuesday, don't forget. Aaj mangal war hai, balaji ka war hai. So I'll go. We think Hanuman will be happy. <laughs> if he really comes to life, the first thing he'll do is with his gada. <laughs> you fool, you're coming at the door of the Lord and wanting this. Especially, you know, how the divine suffers in a human form. We look at the story of Rama and Sita and all divine. You come and you are asking for <coughs> my child's um, this degree, that degree. If Hanuman comes alive, so that's why most of the temples, they have become quiescent. <laughs> they have also got sick and tired. God's last refuge <laughs> from an ignorant, yes. worshipping world. So he says, okay, I'll hide inside him. There he will not approach me with all this nonsense. So there are messages one receives. Then when one stands in front, it's not like we go straight, uh, do pranam to the Lord and come back. These are the beings who are around. In most of the temples you'll see this. In Durga Puja, you will see Saraswati and all the four great goddesses. This was the purpose. That these messages of God, their energies, their powers, they nourish us. They make us strong. They make us wise. So that when we go in front of the Lord, whoever is the presiding deity, here of course is the soul which is the ultimate, we are ready and prepared in that state of utter humility. So, I'd like to share an experience of my wife, Mary Helen. When she had this tremendous experience of meeting Sri Aurobindo, but he was only two feet tall. And she wrote to Madhav Pandit, she said, Why was he only two feet tall? And Madhav said, He's in the earth now, and he's bringing the whole earth up into the union of the divine. Powerful. There's a whole story of Shiva with Vyasa, where you have the secret. Yes. Batu Kavatar. God becomes an infant. Yes. 
to draw the compassion yes, of the world mother. Yes. Because you know, um, it's a story, just since you mentioned it and maybe some other people may have had this experience. So the world mother in one of her moments of intense rage is upturning the whole world. Even the gods are trembling, shaking. Calm mother, calm, calm down, calm down. She doesn't listen. When she starts, it's not just the demons. Even the gods who are proud, arrogant, she's going to pull them down. So they go and plead to Shiva. He says, see, last time I tried it, what happened? <laughs> she put a foot on my chest. <laughs> but nobody else can appease her. She becomes a child. And what does the child do? He cries. And the world mother who is going in that intense divine rage, divine wrath, suddenly sees the child and turns into that image of perfect compassion and love. So, Shurabindu as a child is perfect compassion and love of the world mother he draws to us. Because that's the state. If he is in that mighty state, then, you know, somebody was telling me the other day, you know, every day in the morning I see the mother, but today I saw Shurabindu. So, I said, that's wonderful. No, I am very much afraid. I said, why? said, because he is Guru. No, she is mother. I said, but Guru, why should you be afraid to start with a Guru? <laughs> and he said, the world mother, he is the world father, he is beyond everything. He is companion, he is friend, he is everything. So that's how the divine reduces himself to draw that. Because this is the human stature and he draws that compassion. If he is in that state, he is the eternal witness and the whole world can, destruction can be just a transient storm. He will not blink an eye. So he has to embody this. So all this we see here. And finally, in their immensitude, signing infinity, they were the extension of the self of God. What a marvelous. See, they are aspects of God. And yet, the great gods are absolute in their own right. Yeah. When Brahma says, take something, Brahma is not the ultimate. And yet the supreme accepts it. Signing infinity. When Shiva says, Tathastu, so be it. Power of Shiva comes from the Divine Mother, Supreme Mother. But when He says, She ratifies it. So they are signing infinity because they are aspects yes. of the one Divine. Yes. Otherwise, we think Indian, like Pajanism. Though Pajanism had such beautiful things, unfortunately, destroyed, but that's a different story. Here is there are multiple gods but there is one unity there are 33 gods and there is one who is above them all from whom they have all emerged as aspects so that is what one realizes when one draws near to the soul with these lines we can stop yes in their immensitude signing infinity they were the extension of the self of god and housed Impassively receiving all his figures and his small and mighty act, they, these gods, right up to the little detail of life, they extend. And that's how the whole occult science was that you know, uh, if you have a nerve problem, so there are gods who take care of that. There are gods who quicken the passage through the nerves. There are gods who help the blood circulation. This was the original science, we've lost it. They are there in the smallest details, in the smallest things. And his passion and his birth and life and death and his return to immortality. So they are assistants in the cosmic theater. 
to help man's soul climb towards the one divine. They are the ones who are meant to help. And there are beings who hinder, but they also end up helping because ultimately love and death both conspire towards the same one great end. end. Yes. <laughs> okay. Namaste. Namaste. Few moments of silence.